We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the Wazzaro In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. And the Indiana Pacers are back in action after a nice break for the All-Star festivities. And they win 129-115 over the lowly Detroit Pistons, who fall to 8-47 and after this game. Fachi, what was your initial reaction after the Pacers got this dub? Well, first, just to start the game, I felt like it was like the first day of school again. You get to see your friends, and it's like, hey, we're back. All right, like what's going to happen, you know, this semester? And the Pacers, they responded. They came out the gates hot in that first quarter, and they did not skip a beat. It was not one of those games where they overlooked their inferior opponent. They came to play tonight, and I felt like Detroit was the matchup. You couldn't have asked for a better matchup to come back off of the highs of All-Star break. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, the Pacers scored 42 points in the first quarter, only gave up 25. It's like a perfect um, you know, combination of what you want offensively and defensively, and then they kind of double up in the second quarter. They they score 30 points, only allow 18, and they held the Pistons to 43 points in the first half, and they're up by 29, 72-43 going into the half. And then 
They allow 45 points to the Pistons in the third quarter, which was two points more than what they had just scored in the first half. So for me, Fauci, I walk away from this game. It kind of reminded me of what Chad Buchanan said last night about you got to win these ugly games, even if you, you know, it's it's one of those things where like the Pacers should have won this game by 25 points, 30 points, and, and, and they pulled away one by 14, but like, the fact that they just kind of took their foot off the gas and were so lackadaisical in the third quarter, it definitely took away minutes from getting those two-way guys some extra playing time here in the fourth quarter. And, and then you had to exert all your, your guys a little bit more minutes than maybe you needed to just to keep Detroit from eventually, you know, getting this lead down to eight to six points. I mean, the Pacers were able to keep it at double digits, I believe, most, if not all, the second half. But still, mm-hmm. the yep. fact that Detroit would just cut that lead down from basically 30 points to 10 – it was to me. It was a very uninspiring effort in the second half, and I felt like the team we saw in the first two quarters was not the same team we saw in the third and fourth. No, and, and that's definitely look. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, the Pacers still won this game by fourteen points, but yeah, they did not look like the same team. It was a, it was a tale of two halves. Obviously, you mentioned the Pistons scored more points in the third quarter than they did in the first halves. Yeah. So I just think that 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 says a lot. I think Indiana w- was holding. Uh, they held the Pistons to 40% from the field in that first half. Overall, Detroit finishes at about 53%. So that says a lot about how good they shot the ball in that second half. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if the Pacers handle business, you don't need Tyrese Halliburton playing 34 minutes tonight you know, or Siakam playing 32. So it would have been great to be able to you know, give those guys a little bit less minutes. But in the end, a win is a win. I think we've complained about, about far more. But yes. it just shows, hey, you know what? This team, they 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 came out the gates hot. Maybe they got a little bit too comfortable against a better team. That lead could very well slip away and disappear. But there were a lot of bright spots. I think to you know that we saw tonight, and for that, I, I am happy. You, the real question is, who do you want to start with? Well, I think we have to start with the captain of the team, Tyrese Halliburton, the man that did a reverse Fair. dunk, back to back fast break dunks. What yeah. were we watching tonight? Yeah, I mean, I mean Ty- Tyrese whoa. Halliburton looks back. I mean, he does. I don't know if he's 100% or not, but he sure looked like it tonight. Definitely yeah, was good. playing at, at a different pace and had went three for three in the first quarter, I believe it was, mm-hmm. with his three-point shot, or at least hit the first three. I remember that. Yeah. So it was just like, wow. Like he, he just looked like he was replicating what he did in the All-Star game. So really good stuff to see from Tyrese and, and kind of got things going. I mean, I just feel like when he's playing at this level, this team's a lot different. And we saw that impact in the first half. So 25 points, 13 assists. Fachi only had two rebounds, but you don't really need that when you're making passes like that. Um, was a plus 12 for the game. Unfortunately, they did have five turnovers, which is kind of uncharacteristic, like four Tyrese. Like so, uh, but, but back in the double digits for the assist with 25 points, 34 minutes is the big number there. Uh, we played 34 minutes the last two games before – uh, the, the season went on the break. So I think that, yeah, it, it was a good showing from Tyrese Halliburton, and he really kind of helped carry the Pacers a little bit in the third quarter when scoring got a little bit tougher. And there was guys that had far bigger games. But, I mean, when you talk about giving your flowers, I want I want to give a bouquet of flowers to T.J. McConnell. Yeah. I felt that T.J. McConnell was absolutely awesome in this game, specifically in the first quarter. Uh, I mean, look, for the, for the game, he finishes with 16 points, six boards, Five assists, two steals, and a block. But Alex, two of two from three from a man that only had three made threes coming into this game. I felt that McConnell did a little bit of everything. He hit you with buzzer beaters. He hit you with the vintage. 
vintage McConnell steal that he ends up getting fouled on. I just felt like he brought his A game tonight, 7-11 from the field. It's just crazy to imagine what if this team had moved on from DJ McConnell. I don't even want to live in a world where that's a reality. Yeah, I mean, and you think about it from this perspective, like with Ben Matherin starting, it did make the second unit a little bit different. Uh, we can talk about whether or not Jalen Smith was, you know, was it was was it a coach's decision? Was it an injury? I think it was more so coming back from an injury. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how I would view it. Uh, but Isaiah Jackson got the start at center. So basically it was more of like the McConnell Isaiah Jackson show with the pick and roll. You had your shooters out there with McDermott and Obi Toppin. And then Ben Shepard kind of spreading the floor as well and doing a couple different things offensively, but really just being out there for defensive purposes. Like it was a, a totally different look from that second unit. And that's why you needed McConnell to be more aggressive and make some tough shots, especially when you had most of your starters on the bench trying to get some rest. So I, I thought that was a really good showing by TJ, like you said, and you know, can't say enough great things about the leadership that he brings to this team and the timely baskets that he has. Because when this lead got down to about 10 or 11, he had a couple baskets there in the fourth quarter to give the Pacers a little bit of a cushion to get it back up to 14. And there was one he probably should have got fouled on. He was, you know, begging the referees to give him a foul. I felt like the officials tonight, for the most part, still seemed like they were on the all-star break as well. Very possible for them. You know, they got to they gotta shake off that rust, but... You know, nonetheless, I, I felt that, obviously, hey, look, we talked about you know, the first half is where a lot of magical stuff happened. But, you know, for this game, I think it's a good collective effort. You got six Pacers that scored in double figures. Obi Toppin uh, had nine, but he also played really well in this game. We can get to him. But, obviously, no Aaron Neesmith, no Jalen Smith. You, you handle business. I, I felt that it's good to get those guys a little bit extra rest, especially Jalen Smith when you, when you mentioned, like, I felt like if, if he needed to play, he could have played. The mm -hmm. fact they were able to keep him out of this game, I think, is a great sign. Uh, Indiana's on a four-game homestand right now. They cover, they handle business in game one. I like to see that. But, you know, who was another player that, that really stood out to you, you know, in this game? I, I think there's a few of them. I, I guess we can go with a, a couple. I think Obi Toppin, just like as I mentioned his name just recently, I think just a balanced effort from Obi was nice to see. I mean, yeah. he was actually led the Pacers with plus 21, uh, 16 minutes of play, but he brought it. Nine points, six boards, three assists, a block, two of three from three. Just good, solid bench play. Yeah, no, I, I mean, definitely Obi Toppin had some good moments there. I think we saw a little bit of a struggle in the fourth quarter when Asar Thompson was guarding him, trying to watch him be an on-ball scorer, and that's why we talk about that as uh, something to keep an eye on with what he can do because, like, this guy is the beneficiary of other players setting him up. Like, TJ McConnell had a beautiful pass. Alley-oop alley pass to him, and I think that can't be understated, like, just how special that pass was and how timely it was. And those threes that Toppin hit to get him 2,000 career points, which is something that's really cool to see uh, happen in this game. I mean, he, he was feeling it. So you, you you do like what Obi Toppin brings. He's shooting the ball very well this season, and hopefully he can continue to do that for this team moving forward. Uh, another player I want to talk about is Pascal Siakam because I, I felt like Pascal kind of got the Pacers rolling here, had the first five points in the game, and then I think he touched the ball like one more time in, in, like, in terms of like shots in the first Yeah, quarter. he went nine points at half. So. Yeah, I mean – to me, it was one of those things where it's like, if you see a guy hit his first two baskets, like, why not try to you go know. to him a little bit more? It's like they uh, they they had two shots for him, and then all of a sudden it was like Turner had like five shots in a row for the Pacers' offensive possessions. I'm like, what is this balance? Like, 
I, I get getting Turner involved. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But, like, at the same time, what were the Detroit Pistons really doing to slow down Siakam? I think the only other shot of tent that he really took was, like, he got the ball in transition, saw that he had Ivy on him, and he pulled up and took a jumper over him, and he missed it. But, like, I, I felt like they could have done a better job of getting him more involved. And then I think once they actually did get, get him a touch in the post, that led to the Tyrese Halliburton back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back three-pointers made. So it's like when you just constantly get him involved, I think good things happen. And I know you got to get other guys involved too. So I'm not saying that like getting Turner involved or getting Matherin involved is a bad thing. I'm just saying got to find that right balance. And, and I felt like it's, once again, just that sporadic, inconsistent back and forth for Siakam. And Noe came in early in the second quarter to try to help give some scoring to that second unit. Um, I put a clip out there on Twitter where he just completely got fouled. And I, I forget who fouled him. I, I feel bad. I can't remember who fouled him, but they didn't call it. And <laughs> the guy like grabbed his arm and then he let go like, Ooh, I didn't mean to do that. Like, I'm sorry. You Classic. know, and they still didn't call it right in front of the officials. So to me, it's like Siakam's not got a great whistle since getting coming here to the no, Pacers. He's not. But they, they have to do a better job. In my opinion, he did take 16 shots tonight. No, no problem with that. Obviously second most on the team, but they didn't come consistently for me, and I just want to see a more consistent balance from from his scoring and his touches. And I feel like we've had that issue for a while now that, like, I, I know on paper you look at it, he had 20 points, but it, it felt like it was a really quiet first half after that opening sequence that you mentioned. And I feel like they do need to find a way to have him consistently evolve each and every game because – Obviously, when Tyrese Halliburton's on the court, hey, we don't need Siakam to be, you know, um, looking to distribute the ball as much as he was when Halliburton's out. But we've seen he could do some really good things from a ball movement perspective. Tonight was not one of those nights, and I just felt like, yeah, 16 shots, it, it does sound like a lot, but I, I felt that they came in um, very specific instances. You know, there was times where he just kind of was not as involved as you want him to see. But ever since you pointed out this stat, you know, I, I'm looking for it. It's the Pacers – Record when Miles Turner has that double double. Share that stat again that you tweeted out because tonight we add to it. Yeah, nine and two, Fachi. Since uh, I Miles love Turner has a double double, and it's you know even if it's not like a a great scoring number, like you only had thirteen points tonight. So like when you look at that, you're like, oh, that's all Miles had. But the eleven rebounds is what stick sticks out to me, especially knowing you've got a monster on the glass and Jalen Dern on the other side, and Dern did. Have some nice plays against Turner. I really, I really enjoyed watching his ferocious dunk off the dribble, which was so fast. Like he's just, he's so quick. But I mean, during the night was fifteen points, thirteen rebounds, seven eleven from the field. So you know, Turner kind of had to match that a little bit. I think Dern maybe had better statistics than him, but overall, I mean, you have to love the the way that Miles is a little bit more, um, I, I guess, forceful down low would be a good way to put it. So. You know, they, they have to continue to rebound as a team. You know, McConnell had six rebounds. Nimhart had six rebounds. Those were your next – and, and Matherin had six. So, uh, And so did so did uh, Toppin. So four guys mm -hmm. had six rebounds there. That's your next uh, highest rebounder, but that's a good balance. It's four guys getting rebounds. So that that's good. We've talked about that before, that it's just like when the Pacers collectively rebound, it makes a massive difference. A couple games ago, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was against Golden State or maybe it was against Charlotte. Nobody rebounded. Nobody at all. And and it's just like it to, to no surprise, the Pacers lost that game. Mm -hmm. So it was it was against Charlotte. The Pacers leading rebounder was Tyrese Halliburton with six. Yeah. And that was it. It's like it can't happen when on, on a night like tonight, you had numerous players getting six rebounds. 
But to your point on, on Turner, also, you know, got a slip in there. The two blocks, I felt yeah. like there was a span where steals. Turner, Turner, yeah, Turner wasn't picking up blocks for a little bit. And, and you could just see this, the Turner that we saw tonight. I feel like that's the Turner a, a lot of nights that Indiana needs. And, you know, 13 points, obviously, it's below his scoring average. But I looked at it, and, you know, there's a lot of nights where Turner might put up bigger stats, but they kind of come in at else against charlotte last time he had 22 points mm. that was a loss earlier in the season he had uh yeah when i say earlier in the season i mean a couple weeks ago against uh yeah i guess it was the 23rd of january 22 points against denver that was in a loss 29 points against portland that was in a loss yeah. we don't need turner to put up 25 plus points we need you to be able to rebound block shots and can you contribute 15 plus points something like that a night mm. like tonight i thought this was a good you know a solid miles turner um, Jalen Duren's going to be really good in this league. He's only 20 years old. Yeah, so, I saw. I know. saw a question posed by Detroit, a Detroit Piston uh, fan, and, and they basically put up Ivy, um, Cade Cunningham, Asar Thompson, and, and uh, Jalen Duren, and they said you can only pick three. Who are you building? You know, who who are the three that stay? And I, I feel tough. like at this point, I might say Ivy's the odd man out of that group. I think so because I mean, what's going to happen when Asar Thompson gets that shot down? Yeah, I, I mean, mean that, that the that defense guy, is so special. He's he had three blocks, two steals. He's a rookie. You know, it's just yeah, seven boards. I mean, I can't just leave that out there. I need eleven points. Yeah. It's like I know it's just such a ridiculous statement, but I remember earlier in the year when Gilbert Arenas was ranting that he shouldn't even be on the team. He should be cut if he can't shoot. It's like, dude. Are you kidding me? Gilbert Thompson has the worst basketball takes I've heard in my life. That that show is awful. It's just ridiculous. The Thompson twins are going to be so good. It's just crazy that they're exactly what their draft profile said, though. Mm -hmm. It's like they're good at everything but shooting. And it's like, you know what? You feel that that will come eventually. If you can get all the other, you know, aspects of the game of basketball down, Pat, shooting can only get better. So, yeah, I think Detroit's got a really good core. Jaden Ivey, who definitely seemed to, you know, have – he's still a very good player. But the ones that you're up against there, Cade Cunningham, former number one pick, who obviously, you know, really good player. Star yeah. Thompson, I, I definitely believe in. And Jalen Duran, what he's already showed, honestly, from day one, uh, is really impressive. So they got a good core. We'll see if they can ever fully put it together. But uh, transitioning over to Benedict Matherin, obviously this is a matchup that Matherin, you know – you know, after the the recent, you know, uh, Rising Stars Challenge, smack talk against Ivy, Matherin wanted to come to play. I think in the beginning, he he struggled with his shot a bit. I mean, for the game, he finished 5 of 14. But I think that one thing that's got to be highlighted, he did have five assists in this game. Yeah. This was a complete effort by Matherin, 15 points, six boards, five assists. So it's nice to see that I, I wondered, you know, with no Neesmith, who's going in the starting lineup? They elect to do Benedict Matherin. Obviously, at that point, he's he kind of becomes a little bit overshadowed with that starting unit. I felt, aside from struggling with the shot a little bit, he he, he contributed in many other areas tonight. No, and I mean, one thing we know with Matherin is like playing for Carlisle this season, his role has changed and, and what he's asked to do. So with this group, like he's not the scorer. Like he can be, but it's, you know, how can I get others involved? And there was times where I was kind of surprised when he made a pass almost like you could have taken the shot versus like trying to look for the guy. But, you know, I respect that he's trying to become a better passer. So there is a couple of missed opportunities there in terms of guys just not making shots that he could have had more assists. So that's one thing to keep an eye out for. And and let's, let's talk about the free throws. You know, the fact that 
this guy is driving to the basket and not getting foul calls like he did last year. And I feel like it's just so funny because there was one play where I, I thought he got hit pretty good going to the basket. They didn't call it. Then the very next play, I think they called a foul on him guarding Ivy, and it was like less contact or a lot, you know, more minimal contact. And I was kind of surprised. And then uh, there was one play where he drove in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, and they didn't call a foul again. And then Turner comes down and like he puts his forearm into Dern's, you know, chest, and they gave Dern a foul. And I'm just like, sometimes I just don't understand how officials call things and don't call things because it's crazy to me that Matherin as a rookie had a better free throw rate than he does this year as a sophomore. You would feel like a guy like Matherin would get a little bit more respect driving to the free Definitely. throw, like driving to the to the basket and getting to the free throw line. So I'm not trying to complain too much on this podcast. I feel like my my tone is a little bit negative tonight, so I do apologize. But <laughs> we, um, we do have to put it in perspective. We did still win by 14. But yes, yes, yes. yes I hear and Matherin played a, a solid game. Like obviously there were some yeah. possessions where you're like, okay, let's take that one back. Like the one where he kind of like yeah. slipped and threw the ba- the basket, <laughs> threw the ball at the basket, and it like bounced over the backboard and went out of bounds. And I knew Carlisle was not happy with that shot attempt, but there's little things that he can do, but I don't know about you. I think, I think Quinn even said it, but I was like, when, when he ended up catching that pass from, from Halliburton as a shot clock was expiring in the fourth quarter and he drills that shot, like five feet behind the three point line. To me, it's like Matherin just lives for those kind of moments. Like he does think about it, just rise up to the occasion and make it like when he's overthinking, I feel like he's a different player. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It's like he wants that moment. He's, he's that guy, and you you gotta you gotta like that because very few players feel comfortable in that situation, and and Matherin does. Um, I think that when you're talking about that free throw differential uh, from last year, he averaged five point eight free throw attempts last year. This year, three point six. Mm-hmm. That is a dramatic difference. So. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Anybody probably would have thought, hey, if he averaged 5.8 last year, could he get up to seven attempts? I don't know, 6.5. I don't think anyone would have seen this steep of an incline, uh, decline. But I, I think that for, for Matherin, hey, you know what? He does, just like we were talking about offline, he does edge out Jay Ivey in the points <laughs> column by one. So there you go, Matherin. And the I'm rebounds. Pretty... And the exactly. assist. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, he, he definitely just <laughs> – Overall, had a better performance. Um, I think, you know, the field goal percentage was a little bit down, but at the same point, the man got the win. And, <laughs> and that's really what matters. Um, other than that, you know, kind of transitioning over a little bit, I thought Andrew Nemhard was just kind of rock steady in this mm-hmm. game. I, I feel that, you know, when Nemhard's in that starting lineup, his job is not to be a scorer. And I felt he gave the Pacers a very balanced effort tonight. Eight points on four of eight shooting, six boards, five assists, two steals, a block, he was plus five. Yeah. Andrew Nemhard in the starting lineup. I love it. I, I will say this: like, I think it was in the first like three or four minutes of the of the first quarter. Maybe I missed one earlier in the in the quarter already. But he got switched on to Jalen Dern on a defensive play. Dern was not involved in the play, but the shot went up, and all of a sudden, I see Nemhard get his body into Dern, box him out, and get low. And the Pacers got the ball. I don't know if it went out of bounds or not, but. It was one of those things where it just stood out to me. It's like, this is what Andrew Nimhart does. It does not show up on a on a box score. You know, anybody can look at it and be like, oh, yeah, they're six and five. He didn't do that much. 32 minutes, that's all he did, blah, blah, blah. Little things like that, though, like the extra hustle plays, like just the fundamentals of basketball, because how many times have we seen players not box out and then the Wait other player me. just runs in there and gets a rebound? Like a couple of games ago against Charlotte, like that was part of the reason Obi Toppin was 
pulled from the game and benched uh, after just struggling to get any rebounds. I think he finished a game with like two rebounds or one rebound, and it was like just a lack of effort. And I and I think that you know when you know Duran such a powerful rebounder, you you do pay more attention to that kind of stuff. But here's a six foot five point guard that's playing shooting guard, boxing out a very bulky center, and you know. Dern was not moving around him. And that's what I wanted to point out was just the fact that Nimhar does the little things that matter mm-hmm. the most. Plays the and game right. No, no matter no matter how you look at it, Fachi, I just feel like the importance of him on the court doesn't always show up on a stat sheet. And you if you really just look at the nitty-gritty of what he does in terms of calling out switches and, and and going out there and guarding the best player every single night. Like that's tough to do. Like, yeah, Cade Cunningham at 30 points, you know, that that's, that's not an easy matchup. And Nimhard's given up two or three inches on that, on that matchup too. So it's like asking him to pretty much play against guys that are bigger than him too is, is a difficult thing. Um, just because there's only so much an outstretched hand can do. Right. So I, I feel like Nimhard is very misunderstood by a lot of people. And I know that we're, considered homers, especially me. I'm a big Nimhard guy, but uh, I just wanted to point out a couple of things there that really stood out to me in terms of why I feel like his impact was, was felt on the game in different ways than, than the box score should. I think it's going to take like a playoff series to really see the difference. I think it's going to take when Indiana has really tough matchups on a nightly basis and a consistent basis for everybody to really be able to watch and say, whoa, this man's working. He is mm-hmm. working on the defensive end. And honestly, whatever you get on the offensive end is just a solid plus. But I, I felt that he's he's just been – it's nice to have as many playmakers as Indiana has. I mean, if you go through this, I mean, the fact that Hal Burton had 13 assists, Nemhard had five, Matherin had five assists. Siakam, you know, is very capable of five or more assists. I know he didn't have that tonight. McConnell gives you five assists. Just that ball movement, it, it's just fantastic. And I just felt like – Ever since, you know, Nemhard came in a starting uh, lineup, I think they've gotten that boost defensively. 115 points to Detroit. It's definitely nothing to brag about, but it, it looked like at one point it, it was going to be a lot better. But regardless, you know, I, I, I love the move in the starting lineup. I think that this, uh, obviously, when Neesmith comes back, Neesmith back in the starting lineup for Matherin, that's a five that I want to keep in there. Mm-hmm. And then overall, I mean, you just got rock solid play. From Isaiah Jackson with the absence of Jalen Smith. This is uh I mean, when I say rock solid, I mean just he was efficient. He was efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, four or four, does those little things. Uh, surprisingly, not even a rebound. Uh that matchup against Detroit, that's his hometown. I always feel like that packs a little bit, a little bit extra mm-hmm. for him. But I, I felt like on a night where you didn't have Jalen Smith, you were still able to to accomplish what you wanted to do. Absolutely, Fanchi. And I and I think it's important for us to just realize how meaningful this win was because it wasn't pretty. Obviously the first half was, you know, Rick Carlisle in the, in the post game press conference said that that was probably the best first half he's seen this team play all season long, but they actually just went through film in the third quarter because they have Friday off. So they went ahead and watched that before they, he came into the press conference room because they wanted to talk about how or that performance was. So uh, winning this game was huge tonight because one of the hottest teams in the league, the Cleveland Cavaliers, fell at home to the Orlando Magic 116-109, to which keeps the Magic just a half game behind the Pacers there for that sixth seed. And the New York Knicks did defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 110-96. to So I, I think that that does help the Pacers climbing up. Now they're only a game back at the five spot. So just 
it's a little too early to be always monitoring the standings at this point, but yeah, yeah. just wanted to put into perspective like, like just how, how big of a win it is uh, against a bad team. And that's why I think Chad emphasized it so much on the pod last night. Like, you got to take care of the teams that are below you in the standings. You, you cannot have, you know, a, a big win against a, a team above you and then fall to a team that's below you because they kind of counteract each other. It's like you have to take care of business and, and start to be professionals because – to me, this first half looked like a team that was destined and ready to like punch their ticket to the playoffs. And then the second half yeah. looked like a team like, oh, we're still on the all-star break. We're still kind of coasting. We're up by 30 points. Yeah, this doesn't matter. Well, it's like even the Pistons can carve into a 30-point lead. Like You can't be doing that, and I think that is a sign of just a team still trying to mature. Oh, exactly. I'm watching this game, and everything's going great. Uh, at the time, Indiana was up 31, and... um you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever might have been in the third quarter. Now, all of a sudden, that lead was down to 14. And my wife was like, hey, can we change this real quick? And I was like, uh, I don't know about this. She's like, they're killing them. I was like, babe, this, this ain't a 30-point lead no more. They, they, we're down to 14. And I just felt like it was trickling down. And, like, you knew, yes, that's still a double-digit lead that you could feel good about. But it's it's Detroit. You wanted to kind of put your, your foot on their throat a little bit, keep, keep the foot on the gas. And uh, it didn't happen, but at the same point, you know, look, if we're complaining about this 14-point loss, it shows that there's a lot to, to if this team can reach their full potential, there's a lot to be happy about. But, yeah, I, I, I had to bring that up to chat about those some of those losses because this team, you see flashes of, like, potential greatness. You really do with, with the squad. It feels like this ceiling is very, very high if for some reason they had blown that lead. This would have taken the the wind right out of the sails of, of the fan base and just been kind of like a little bit of a black eye on the season because I feel that Indiana looked exhausted going into the All-Star break and they came out with some refreshed legs in that first half. And obviously, look, if you do have Neesmith and Jalen Smith out there, I feel like, you know, maybe this is, I don't even know how bad we would have beat them. But it's good to have them back against, and I imagine they'll both be back against Dallas because Dallas will be a real test. That is a far, far better team, and the schedule actually it doesn't really get easy, Alex. There, there's no. uh, there, there's quite a few hard games coming up, and I think that the Pacers need to be ready for each and every one of them. Yeah, and I mean we we call them hard games because they're tougher competition, but this team seems to rise to the occasion against those type of they teams. Do. So. It's a good matchup. It's good. It's a good opportunity to kind of prove yourself, you know, going up against Dallas and Toronto and New Orleans. Like these are all games that are winnable, but they're also games that are that are losable too. So, you know, that we saw how close that game was to Toronto in Toronto. Now there was a lot of injuries, a lot of guys out, but you just can't you can't ever count on a team like that, uh, that that plays scrapping and hard. So it's gonna be fun to see. But Fachi, we're gonna bring on Jeremiah Johnson here in in a few minutes. But before we do that, me and you talked about doing something fun here on the podcast tonight because Chad Buchanan uh, was on our show yesterday and it was a lot of fun talking with him. And we ended things kind of talking about Chick-fil-A and his go-to dipping sauce. And me and you were both surprised that honey mustard was at the top of his list. So we thought, well, let's do a draft. Let's do a draft yeah. of dipping sauces at Chick-fil-A. And uh, we're going to just go back and forth. No snake draft. It's just the two of us. We don't need to do that. Yeah. But uh, there are eight sauces, Flachi. I thought this would be fun. Uh, everybody, you can... Chime in and tell us what you think of our of our picks. But uh, Bachi, do you want to go first or second? I want to go first. I've had my eyes on this sauce for quite some time. Okay. I have it personally in my fridge 
as we speak, and that is the infamous Chick-fil-A sauce. Ah, oh, man, you took it from me. I love it. You could put honestly, I feel like you could pretty much put it on anything. Anything that's normal, yeah. of course. Yeah, so if you're gonna take that one first, I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uh the uh, sriracha. Okay. All right. So I, I have my top two picks. I want Polynesian. I yeah. love it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Used to have it in the fridge. Kind of got bumped down the rotation a little bit. You can only have oh so much Chick Fil A sauce. And when I say in the fridge, I mean the actual like I bought the, the physical sauce. Yeah, not like a packet. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the real deal. So yeah, those are my top two picks. Okay. Uh... So Chick-fil-A was my number one, but I'm getting my two and my three, so I feel pretty good about this. Um, I'm going to go with ranch. I, I think the ranch is fire. It's good with the chicken biscuit in the morning. It's good with the chicken minis. It's good with your tater tots. It's good with the fries. It's good on a spicy chicken sandwich, like I mentioned like I mentioned yesterday with, with Chad. So give me the ranch. It, it does have like an herby taste to it, which is nice. It's it not just like a basic ranch. So it does kind of have more of a zesty ranch taste. Yeah, yeah I think zesty is is a fair way to put it. Uh, for my next pick, man, I don't care if it gives me a stomach ache or not. I'm going with it every single time. I want me some buffalo sauce. Yeah. All right. I, I really, you know, look, do I need the buffalo sauce on the spicy chicken sandwich? No. Will it make me gassy? Yes, it will. But at the same point, I'm going to enjoy that bite. I'm going with the buffalo sauce. I can respect that. Um, I think I'm just going to have to keep it simple here. I still enjoy it every once in a while, but I don't usually get it, but I still like it. It's the barbecue sauce. It's, I know it's basic, but um, give me the regular barbecue. Okay. With the regular barbecue, I believe that leaves me with, uh, I think there's just one. There's two left. One last pick. Two left. Okay. There's oh, two honey right. ones left. Yeah, there is. I'm going honey roasted barbecue. Okay. All right. So I'm going with that, and that leaves you with your last pick and Chad's favorite. I think that says a lot over here. I got a couple comments about that. People were surprised by his go-to sauce. I'm not going to lie. I will say this. I feel a little bit good that I got barbecue and honey mustard because if you mix those together, it's Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh, look at So you. I've got my own version of Chick-fil-A sauce with ranch and sriracha. So I feel pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with my selections. I I definitely feel that you know I think I think it worked out well for the both of us. As a little bit of a recap, I got Chick Fil A sauce, Polynesian, Buffalo, and honey roasted barbecue. I think I'm eating good today. Can I can I give a hot take about the Polynesian? What I don't, you got? I don't care for it that much. I like it. I do. It's pretty I, sweet. I, I, I yeah that that's fair. It is it is sweet. I think I used to love it at one point. Now I like it. You know, it, it's definitely um, it's not the face of the franchise for me. It's a starter, though. You know, it's you know, it's it's, it's a good role player. Yeah, it's a starter. It's a role player. It's uh, it can be a multi uh versatile for you there. Yeah, for me, I've got sriracha, ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. So, uh, let us know which which uh, dipping sauce you're rocking with. I'm assuming people are going to pick Fachi's because Chick-fil-A sauce is hard to beat. I feel like it's the GOAT yes. number one pick, even though That's I know a lot of people that don't like honey mustard. And I think that the honey mustard that is in Chick-fil-A sauce does turn some people off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think, you know, I, I like honey mustard, but, but I don't think it's like an everyday sauce. I, like, I, I think that there's certain, you could go through like a phase where you could dip like chicken and you know in, in in so many different sauces like honey mustard for me you know it's it's not uh it's not gonna be one of my top you know top three asks 
if someone's got a you know a barbecue out there or anything going on like my pass me some honey mustard eh i don't know I, I will say this like i've tried like frozen nuggets of like other brands like tyson brand or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. like even chicken fingers with chick-fil-a sauce and it does not taste the same yeah you know what i mean yeah there's just something about it like time. sweet baby ray's barbecue oh. is like so much better to me with like a frozen oh, yeah. frozen nugget than chick-fil-a sauce i don't know why but i've tried it before and i'm just like yeah it's not hitting the spot for me yeah, sweet baby ray's that's a mainstay in the fridge so yeah, you know yeah. I, I, I always always got it got a bottle in there so you know that's <laughs> nice frozen nuggets i'm gonna be honest i haven't had a frozen nugget in a long time i think if, if i'm getting a nugget you know it's uh it's probably going to be fresh, but at the same point, you know. Hey, give it a give it a few more months, and when Maddie gets a little bit older and she can start eating that, you'll be eating a lot of frozen nuggets, Fox. That, that's a good point because I know what's going to happen. My wife's going to be like, "All right, finish, finish that," you know, and, and Steph going to be like, "Yeah, I wasn't really craving a frozen nugget, but you, is you she going to make you finish the food? Does she like that?" Well, no, not right now, but I could see that happening because Maddie's food right now is a bunch of like almost looks like slime. Like it's like some like, you know, uh, like a little packet that you're like squirting out there mm -hmm. and mixing it together. So I'm definitely not that. downing like a, like a, a, uh, an eight month old, you know, little little mix. Yeah, so, I don't I don't blame you. That would make your that make your poop a little different there, Fox. But, it, uh, it definitely would. It definitely um, would. You'd have baby poop. But with that being yeah. said, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll bring on Jeremiah Johnson to get back into Pacers talk. Uh, and maybe we even ask him his top four for Chick-fil-A sauce. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. He is on the way home from doing the post-game show for Bally Sports Indiana. It is Jeremiah Johnson. We're glad to have JJ back on the show. JJ, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm honored to be back on the show. You guys have been putting in some good work lately. I've been uh, been tuning in, especially on some of these flights home. And I always know if it's a weekend or even on a Friday night, fresh content, setting the paces there. 
Okay. Appreciate I like that. to hear that. We were trying to deliver the content this year. A lot of content coming your way, but this was a, this was a game the Pacers needed tonight. Uh, they take care of business against the Detroit Pistons and the first half Rick Carlisle said it was, you know, one of the best first halves he's seen all year. And then the third quarter was atrocious. They gave up 45 points in the third quarter and they only gave up 43 points in the, in the first half. So, uh, you know, being in the building tonight, what was that like kind of seeing this team in both halves? And uh, what are maybe some of your takeaways from that game? You know, it's one of those things where you were just really pleased with the approach they had to start the game. You were a little concerned. I think they jumped out to a, a 7-0 start and then all of a sudden Detroit had taken a 12-11 lead. But from that point on, it was just domination. And so uh, in the third quarter, disappointing because – they got away from what got them that 31-point lead, 29 and a half time. They got a little bit careless. However, I, I didn't one time ever think they could lose this game. I mean, you're pretty much healthy with the exception of Aaron Neesmith. You didn't need to uh, rush Jalen Smith back into action. I, I thought that everybody that played had some redeeming qualities in this game. And for a game that after the All-Star break, you just don't know what will happen, how guys will – come back from the break, even the fatigue of some of the guys that participated in all the events in Indianapolis, you thought maybe that could affect them. So my big takeaway was really solid approach to start. I thought the practice that I saw yesterday was was filled with enthusiasm and intensity. I thought there was a carryover. The natural let up. You have a halftime, you look at the scoreboard, you can't reset it to zero, but you have to in your brain try to. And, you know, the, the, the Pistons are a team that is, is tired of being made fun of. They're tired of losing. They're going to play hard. They're just not a very good team. And so uh, I, I I thought it was just fine. It was a victory that you're happy to get. You're happy to move on. And you know that the competition level will increase quite a bit on Sunday. The competition will, level will go up. And I, I think that things get harder. I mean, you got Dallas coming up and then you got Toronto, but then you got the Pelicans twice. Uh, Indiana's had a tough time kind of uh, – overlooking these teams and, and i think that tonight we really encourage that for a team that looked pretty tired you know going into the all-star break that they did not overlook detroit and they came there obviously in the beginning and really came out the gates hot here's the deal 25 games remain i'm not going to sit here and tell you that every game that the pacers are favored or supposed to win or play a team that's headed to the lottery that they'll win every single one of those games but those losses have this team's attention. They know they've slipped up some of those games. At the same time, they've fared against the teams above them in the standings as well as anyone in the league, if not better. So um, there's been a little bit of a give and take there. But even in the walk-off interview with Tyrese Halliburton, he acknowledged the other losses. He acknowledged the need to put four good quarters together and not to let up against inferior opponents, but also not to let up during a game. But, you know, go back and listen to Rick Carlisle's postgame presser. I thought he he pretty much summed it up better than I could in that what you said about the, the really good first half and the poor third quarter. But he said not everybody is going to play great all the time. That's why you have to have uh, a 14, 15-man roster. That's why you have a 10-man rotation. Still, uh, it was just a win you just needed to have. The, the atmosphere was good. I thought the guys had the appropriate amount of energy. And I love the fact that you still now – get three more games on the homestand and you have two days between a Sunday, Monday, back to back. So I think you'll have a team that's in good shape. That's in good health. And that will be able to to really take advantage of this home friendly portion to start the, the second half or not the second half. I, I'm calling it the final third 
but the post All Star break portion of the schedule. Yeah, it's always tricky when you're talking about the is it the first half, second half, when it's clearly not percentage wise in terms of how many games are left. But uh, we get the point. We know what you're talking about, and so uh, uh, this is a personal question for me because. I always find it interesting when guys crash interviews post game, but it feels like Jalen Smith has been <laughs> doing this nonstop all year long as a, as a reporter, like how distracting is that? And while you might enjoy it every once in a while, does it ever maybe just get a little bit annoying JJ? Yeah. Good question. A couple of times he has crashed my interview and I've not cared because he moved on. I thought it was a little odd tonight that he stood there the entire time. Uh, without minutes. adding anything <laughs> exactly and at the very end Tyrese Halliburton decided to uh, at least bring him into the conversation and then I looked over and Pat Boylan was doing the interview for radio which is also broadcast in the arena and he had TJ McConnell and I looked over and their interview started a little late so I'm not sure if TJ was talking with someone on the other team and so I had wrapped up with Tyrese I look over Pat had still four, three or four more questions left and Jalen Smith was standing there the whole time. And so I said, what is uh, – because I wasn't that aware that that was kind of his thing. <laughs> and he said he's been doing that all season to Pat, and then maybe because he wasn't ready to start his interview that he joined in on the TV side of things. So, again, I wasn't aware that was a thing, but maybe it's becoming a thing. And I will say that Jalen Smith might be one of the nicest guys I've ever uh, covered in the NBA, just in terms of being uh, – uh, a nice guy. I mean, I don't know how to say it any other way. He has a few streaks during games when he gets upset at a play or an official, but 99% of the time he is like the nicest guy you could ever ask for. And so I'm not going to have a problem. If he wants to join in and smile and stand there, then so be it. Uh, I did think it was a little bit odd tonight, though. <laughs> it is most definitely <laughs> a thing now. You know, you, you could just see it, almost expect it. It sounds like this this team is having a lot of fun but then I want to turn that question around to you. Fill in the blank. This is the most fun season for you since? Oh, this one, this is the season we talk a lot about, Pat and I, on the podcast, and I probably brought it up with you guys. I mean, the 2017-18 season. That's what I expected. Well, yeah, it was, it was kind of magical just because of what was unexpected. I mean, the best kind of seasons and success is the ones that you you don't think are happening, and then they exceed the expectations. And again, there were a lot of personalities on that team, guys that I really just love talking to. I mean, you can go up and down the roster, just pull up a box score from that season. But, you know, I love Thad Young, love Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, didn't get much better than that. And that was sort of the honeymoon phase of Victor Oladipo as well. And, and you had Miles Turner. We've got Miles Turner still. But uh, that was... That was one of those seasons where I do play the what if game every once in a while of that first round series with the Cavaliers for two for two things. First of all, I don't think the Pacers should have had to play the Cavaliers. It felt like towards the end of that season, uh, Cleveland was for whatever reason uh, slipping down trying trying to mm -hmm. be in that four or five series with the Pacers. So I don't appreciate that, LeBron James, uh, because it really almost anyone else I would have loved the Pacers' chances in a first-round series. Yes. The second thing is, I don't like game two, winning in Cleveland and having Victor Oladipo get two fouls call on him 90 seconds into play. And then, uh, you know, think about the goaltending. And even game seven was right there for the taking if some uh, bounce goes your way. So I don't think we meant to have a 27-18 podcast. But, again, that was, that was a great, enjoyable season, one that I 
was not ready to, to, to see come to an end that I thought could have extended. But this has been a really fun season as well. And I'll just say, you know, maybe not every player on the team is like the most talkative or the absolute best interview, but they're all just really good people. Everybody has their own unique personality. And there's nobody on this team that I just look at. And now that we're traveling again, you know, sit down, could have practice with them, strike up a conversation. But they're all just good people. And they they cheer for each other. And the team chemistry has been a big reason that they're in that top six right now in the Eastern Conference. I mean, you talk about the 17-18 team. For a second there at the trade deadline, it looked like the Pacers were trying to re- reunite that group. They trade for McDermott. <laughs> they get Corey Joseph for about three hours, and then they had an open roster spot, and Thad Young got waved, and everybody's like, bring Thad back. Let's get 2017-18 vibes back again. So, you know, it was there for a hot second, and then they cut Corey Joseph like – two hours after the trade was announced and everybody's like, okay, this dream has died. But uh, you bring back a guy in Doug McDermott, obviously with trading buddy Hill to Philadelphia and clearly not the same level of player, but what were your overall thoughts on, you know, the Pacers deadline moves in, in terms of moving buddy and getting Doug McDermott? Yeah. I, I didn't hear Chad Buchanan. Was he on with you guys this week? Yeah. Yesterday. So, so I'll have to go back and listen to that, but the, uh, I think an interview he had with JMV and then also his press conference, was accurate. He wasn't going to sit there and tell people that you, you know, got a major upgrade by trading Buddy Heald, but Buddy Heald sort of had to be traded. And when that happens, you need to bring in another shooter. And Doug McDermott was someone that Greg Carlisle was familiar with, the franchise was familiar with. Let's just say TJ McConnell was familiar with. That's not insignificant either when those are two guys that are likely to be playing some second unit minutes together. And he's someone that was just looking to get back into the playoff picture. So I appreciate Doug's interest and enthusiasm and joining the Pacers. I'm going to miss Buddy Heald, and I'm still going to, you know, kind of reserve judgment a little bit until I see a a bigger picture. I think they've got enough good good locker room guys and a good vibe in that uh, in terms of chemistry that they can – you know, they can make up for not having Buddy Hill, but I did think he was important to the culture of the team and just kind of keeping the mood light. But, you know, Buddy Buddy wanted the team to do well, did not ever cause problems, but it came to the point, the way I look at it, that his contract was coming to an end. He wanted more than what the Pacers were going to offer. And if his role was occasionally 16 minutes a game, maybe he gets three shots and then if he doesn't hit them maybe he doesn't play I don't I think that it might have turned a little bit detrimental so I don't know what was said behind closed doors but it did feel like that was just for buddy's sake you know it just probably needed to happen Um, and so you just had to come up with another option and Doug's a a really good shooter but what it's also done a lot of people talked about Benedict Mather and how he could thrive with more opportunity what about Ben Shepard? I mean, he had that good stretch in January. Then I think he fell off a little bit, and he's a rookie, which you'll have that. But the way he's been able to defend and then now again start knocking down three-point shots, even tonight, one of those times he, you know, attacked the basket off the dribble, uh, that's that's exciting. And he could also bring you some of the things that, that Buddy Hield can. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I, I did really want to see Buddy Hield get that first playoff experience in his career in a Pacers uniform, and I've got nothing bad to say about him. And, again, I think that he brought a lot of value where people didn't even realize in the box score. 
um, just by the mood that he created. But again, Doug McDermott's about as good of a locker room guy as you could have. Again, I think TJ McConnell enjoys him around just because of the, the chemistry that they have. And Ben Shepard may take advantage of this opportunity. So we'll see what happens. Um, the, I didn't expect major moves after Siakam, but when Buddy Heald was traded, I am glad they got another shooter in. They definitely needed to address the shooting once Buddy was moved out. But hey, it's like you said, you know, we got nothing but great things to say about Buddy. Once a pacer, always a pacer. But, you know, this team, as they enter, you know, that, uh, that final third of the season, however we want to call it, 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 to me, it feels like their best basketball could be right in front of them. A guy that you mentioned, Pascal Siakam, he is now a pacer. And, and you know, Tyrese Halliburton's healthy. They're playing together. The defense, while it's by no means perfect, it feels better than that first month of the season of what we saw. What is your outlook for this team for the remaining, you know, 25-plus games or so? It's a little bit of a cop-out to say if healthy, uh, <laughs> the sky's the limit. But I, I, I sort of feel that way. But you could also say that about some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it, if the Knicks would get fully healthy, I'd put them up against anybody, and I would yep. not want to play them. But I, I do think if the Pacers could get to that position and be similar, then you should look at them the same way. And the Pascal Siakam trade is something that will help them now. It's going to be setting them up to have uh, more success in the future. But think about the way playoff series and, and big games go and tight fourth quarter battles. The way he can create and, and you know, find open teammates, but also just go get you a bucket when teams are going to double Tyrese Halliburton. They're going to say, hey, we're not going to let you beat us. All of a sudden, you've got Pascal Siakam on the floor, and you saw that in Toronto, even though he didn't get off to a great start. You saw him make those big shots in the fourth quarter, and and Rick Carlisle even pointed out what he did in the fourth quarter of, of the game against Detroit. You're just going to see him kind of walk, you know, fall out of bed and get 20 points, and Almost every single night, he's above 50% from the field shooting some high-difficulty shots. He's not just in the paint, putbacks, layups. I mean, he's shooting a lot of 17-footers. He's someone that Rick Carlisle does not mind shooting the mid-range jumper. And I don't, I don't think Mick, Rick Carlisle loves the mid-range game. He's really adapted the, the three points or the paint touches. But for Pascal Siakam, I don't see one, one bit of issue with that. And so um, – I. Ultimately, it's still a, a franchise that is looking towards the next year or two for their big success, but I see no reason to put any limitations on what can happen this year. Again, as I started the answer, qualifier health, because their depth is so good that if everyone's healthy, uh, you can throw a lot of different things at people and you can continue to play fast. But even if you lose two guys, all of a sudden you look and it's not quite the same team. So get Aaron Neesmith back healthy, get Tyrese Halliburton where he said, I don't, I don't know what he said tonight, maybe uh, 95%, like that he's very close. Uh, he continues to get healthy, and everyone else stays healthy, a big if. But then I'll, I'll agree with you in, in saying their best basketball is in front of them. So aside, aside from the defense and then maybe the injuries, is there another area of concern that you have with this team for, for the rest of the, the third of the season? I just want them to get in a close game and – face a team that is crashing the glass and see the Pacers not give up second chance opportunities. I mean, I've seen this, but it doesn't, it's never really mattered who's been on the roster. It's, it feels like it's been an issue. And even in Toronto or even, uh, you know, some of the games they've won recently, there's just been too many second chance opportunities, too many 
you know, five point lead, you get a stop and then you don't get the rebound. And it's the first thing that Rick Carlisle said after practice Wednesday, when asked about a key for the, the stretch run, it was the first thing he said in the pregame interview on Valley sports today, he mentioned rebounding. You'll see him sometimes when there's a loose ball or there's a rebound, they get a hand on and they don't grab. You'll see him hold his hands up together and it's just squeeze the basketball. And sometimes this team does get in a hurry where they, they want to almost tap it ahead or push and go before they've actually secured it. And it's a balance, right? Cause you want to be uh, an up-tempo team. You get that stop. You want to go. If you squeeze it and, you know, just stop for a second, then it stops that transition point, but it's fourth quarter rebounding as much as anything else. It's, it's just getting that stop and securing the basketball that I'm probably going to be watching, especially in some of these big games against teams that are dedicated to crashing the glass. Yeah, I think the rebounding issue just for years, I mean, it has been, just like I said, an issue. And I think that tonight against Detroit, you had numerous players go for six rebounds apiece. If you can get that on a on a nightly basis, yeah, I mean, that, that's going to make the Pacers just that much better. But I think that it can't just all fall on one player. If the Pacers are looking for, you know, Miles Turner to shoulder the load every night from a rebounding perspective, you know, it, it's going to be tough because it's got to be a collective effort. But, you know, for, for this team, and we look at the beginning of the season to now, you know, what player maybe took that biggest leap from the start of the season to, to this point for you? Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously Ben Shepard wasn't playing and now he's potentially making game-winning defensive stops. So you really like, like the progress that he's made, even though he hasn't played extensively as part of the regular rotation. He's been available. Um, I'll probably point to to Aaron Neesmith, just because you were happy you were happy he signed that contract for him. You thought it was an okay deal. I mean, it looks like an absolute steal right now oh to God. have him the next the next three years at, at like $10 million And uh, the way he accepts any challenge defensively, I'll just go back to that game against Philly. I'll, I'll never forget him out there locking up Joel Embiid. I won't say locking up, but, uh, you know, foul trouble <laughs> affecting the Pacers. And he did not have any issue trying to guard him. And then to also say he's top five in the league in, in three-point shooting percentage, uh, he, he's got to be the guy that, you know, he probably won't get on the, the finalist list. But if you really pay close attention, most improved player, he should really get some consideration. I think some people were saying Tyrese Halliburton at the beginning of the year. I mean, the guy was an all-star last year. I'm not sure he should be most improved. He, he was good last year. He's better this year. But uh, a guy like Aaron Neesmith, to me, I – uh, he's he's going to have a long career and you need him back as quick as you can. And when he went down, I had to, you know, kind of catch my breath a little bit in Toronto. It, it sounds like the news is really good, even though they played without him here, but he, he just made great strides and he really made them early in the season. I mean, some of those, some of the plays he made in November, uh, maybe it was the strides he made behind closed doors would be the best way to describe it. He made those strides from, last April until October, and then he's been consistent all season long. Yeah, I know you haven't listened to our interview with Chad yet, but when we asked him about Aaron Neesmith's contract, he did say that he wishes they could have given him a 10-year contract. That's how much they love him. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so it is uh, It is good to hear that. But uh, we're going to wrap it up here with some fun conversation, a little bit less Pacers so focused. But this one's kind of Pacers focused, but it's more fun. I'm going to give you three names here to pick from. Uh, this is uh, we're, we're talking about a 10-day contract here since the Pacers have an open roster spot. Who do you think uh, would be the most interesting 
of these three names in terms of coverage for you. Uh, so first off, we're going to go with beloved Lance Stevenson. Second, we're going to go with radio personality JMV. And then third, <laughs> we're going with superstar for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. Out of those three, if you could pick Ooh. one for a 10-day contract for the Pacers, who you're rocking with? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I probably would go with JMV just okay. to, uh, you know, add, you know, because there are times on the road where we need extra content and I feel like we could just, you know, put a mic in front of him and, and just go. I, the Travis Kelsey one, not that I'm not ready for the challenge, but that's a, that's going to be, that'd be a lot of eyeballs. I mean, yeah. all of a sudden you, you'd go from uh, kind of being a little bit under the radar team, which, you know, the Pacers have been for much of the, my 10 seasons. Uh, they haven't been the, the glamour squad, although I think they've really opened eyes this year. Uh, if you, if all of a sudden you got that kind of attention, not going to lie, I'd, I probably need to uh, go pick out some new suits, maybe uh, pick, figure out my hairstyle, make sure I don't have any bad days because uh, that'd be a lot of attention. Lance Stevenson, I mean, love the guy. I just feel like we've probably been there and done that. And, Three times. Uh, you know, yeah, so uh, why not? JMV, although I think he's a little bit under the weather this week, so if, he, if he's listening, you hope he feels better. You know he's got range. Uh, he doesn't play much defense either. Though. That'd be the other problem is you're bringing a you're bringing a shoot first player that doesn't even sometimes run past half court to play defense. So uh, that'd be my issue with that one. Uh, that's good. I, that's that's a tough decision right over there. I mean, are we ready for that that type of media attention with Travis Kelsey? I know exactly. I mean, we'd have I mean, the number one jersey, uh, so. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, also the other thing that would happen, and uh, I'm all for the team getting flexed into national TV games. We still get to broadcast if ESPN has the game. If it goes to TNT, then we start to lose some work. And mm. I'm guessing we we might get flexed out of some of our broadcasts if uh, uh, that's a, that's if a all very of a sudden good you point. have the Swifties. Yeah. Sure, we might be cutting <laughs> Travis Kelsey out at this point. We need more JJ. Exactly. <laughs> we'll put him in one of the – we'll have to put uh, Taylor Swift in one of those suites in, in Gamebridge and just constantly uh, – Flash to her ever every time that there's a basket made by Tyrese or something that'd be that'd be epic. I I would be here for all the content that that would produce. But uh, the other one, I guess, in your podcast would take off, right? I mean, yeah, it it definitely would. And that's something I didn't think about is the amount of listeners that we would be getting that we would never even knew existed. Uh, It's a valid point. Maybe Travis Kelsey's back in the mix. Sorry, JJ. <laughs> yeah, you can you can join us though, JJ, for the pod. Maybe uh, we can help get you some revenue. Well, I don't there. get paid. I don't get paid per listen. Um, even if the ratings go up, I think I get the same. But okay. I am I'm all for the betterment of the franchise. <laughs> so if if it's good for the franchise, the extra attention, merchandise sales, ratings, uh, I'm guessing they'd have a few additional uh, social media clicks. Then I'm all for it. So uh, I could be convinced. I just think Tyrese has to start recruiting now. I know, I know Travis is overseas and uh, touring with Taylor, but you know, it's uh, it, it's time that he starts recruiting, but no, I'm kidding aside. Um, we also did a Chick-fil-A dipping sauce draft on tonight's podcast before you came on. And that was spearheaded because Chad Buchanan talked about his go-to Chick-fil-A meal. And at the end of our podcast, we did last night. So I was curious, you know, do you have a go-to Chick-fil-A sauce? Oh, the Chick Fil A sauce. I mean, yeah. I, I know they've added some different ones, but I mean, I'm 
I've actually, I buy it at the store. I don't just get the packets, but then when I'm at Chick-fil-A, I'll usually take an extra couple of packets just in yeah. case. Um, but yeah, my, my son, my son, Mason, my youngest, he has a sausage biscuit every day for breakfast and he has taken to the Polynesian sauce to where we're now also buying the Polynesian sauce from the grocery store. And it used to just be like ketchup diehard. And now he's gone, gone fancy on us. So, uh, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't, I don't know where it's been all my life, but I don't know how I survived without it. But once it, I don't feel like they always had it. I mean, I always remembered as, at some point they switched to going to the sauces and there just used to be mayonnaise that I could remember. But once they went to that, it's on the sandwich, it's on the fries and it's going home as well. So I, I got to stop you right there because you're speaking my language right now. We did a sauce draft for Chick-fil-A before this, my top two picks, Chick-fil-A sauce. You did have the first Polly pick. Mitchell. I want to emphasize that. I did have the first pick. So yes, it's a no brainer. I, I, you know, it's Is Alex not on board with this. Alex got who's your, who's your uh, Chick Fil A sauce was my number one, but I, Polynesian's not my go to. That was my hot take. I actually had sriracha and ranch above Polynesian for me. Mm. What I will say is the the honey mustard is a, a very poor version of honey mustard. Like, well, even that's though, Chad's go to. We got to stop you right there. Chad what? said that's his go to with the grilled what? nuggets. I was what? stunned. I think I, he meant Chick Fil A. I'm going to be honest. Numerous people approached me afterwards and they said, honey mustard. And I was like, look, guys, I know. Look, he, he's a great GM. It's just that's what he likes. I don't know. <laughs> it's a bad food take. I, I think that they purposely make the honey mustard not good so they can highlight how good the Chick-fil-A sauce is. Yeah, because I love honey mustard, but that might be my least favorite honey mustard of, of yeah. all honey mustards. Yeah, it was the last pick of the draft. It's what I got stuck with. Um, I did get barbecue, and their barbecue and their honey mustard mixed together is Chick-fil-A sauce, so that was kind of my cop out there. Okay, that's what I used to do at Steak and Shake. Let me just tell you, the best ever was uh, chicken fingers and fries, and I would get the cup of barbecue and the cup of honey mustard. So I guess technically I had Chick-fil-A sauce at some point in my life. I just didn't realize that I was doing it. Mm, Yeah, That's a good point. Uh, steak yeah. and shake though. I mean, that was such a great place to go to back in the day until it kind of got, I mean, it's still good if you go to the right ones, but they're just different now. Uh, did you have a go-to shake at steak and shake? Um, the cookies and cream. Mm, yeah. Hard to beat that. Did they have the big wafer on there in the glass jar? Yep. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that well, was the best part about it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, shakes wise. I mean, we're really getting into old Indiana restaurants and, but since you brought up JMV, the best shakes were racks shakes. I don't know if you guys ever were near racks, uh-uh. but uh, chocolate chip shakes at racks, which racks is like an Arby's type store. But I'm telling you, they had the best shakes, and there aren't too many of them around. There's still you can still catch them every once in a while, but if you ever stumble upon one, uh, a BBC uh, sandwich and a chocolate chip shake. Man, I'm gonna have to stop on my drive home and I think you're stopping. You I, I'm hungry. getting hungry now too. Where, so. where is Rax at? Uh well they were in Kokomo, but again I don't know where right now they've got some in Kentucky. When I had my first job in uh, Hazard, Kentucky, there was one that was about an hour away and that was one of the uh the appealing things about that job. But uh yeah there's there's not too many of them around. I J M V if you have him on again, you bring up Brax. Um, oh, there's no. a chance we might be franchisees at some point when we are too old and ugly to be on our current media jobs. 
Well, I mean, look, at this point, you know, JJ, we appreciate you coming by, but I'm, I'm starving at this point. So I might need to be. <laughs> it's too know, late, Bob. You can't be eating at 1045. You know, I don't yeah. know what I'm going for at this point, but no, we, we appreciate you coming on. It's always a pleasure. But JJ, please tell everybody where they can find you on social media and keep up that amazing work because it's been a, it's been a blast watching you this season and having the Pacers be just as entertaining. Yeah, no, I had Pacers JJ. Uh, I think I've said it to you before. I'm I'm still not uh, as good of an Instagrammer as as I should be. I still haven't updated my my Twitter app, so it still is a blue bird on my phone. Oh, I'm wow. proud of that. Um, wow. Yeah, my dad keeps calling it X, and for me, it's still Twitter. I don't know how I got it I don't know how Twitter. I got away with it, but it's still still Twitter to me, and that's uh, where I still spend probably more time than I should. Um, you know, just because I, I kind of scroll through everything and follow lots of people. But um, that's that's how I'll spend some of my time uh, on the road as well. And again, sideline guys, uh, apologies. Uh, it was just kind of a crazy all-star break. We didn't post one this week. We've been every Wednesday all season long and really for the last couple of seasons. So not sure the next one, whether it'll be till next Wednesday or maybe Pat and I will get one in this weekend. But I'm um, just trying to do our best on uh, on that podcast to, to update sort of the weekly happenings while you guys are are knocking it out every single day. And uh, again, wanted to add one final comment. I know a lot of the fans are listening, but uh, it was a busy weekend. I had sort of some variety of responsibilities with All Star. I was trying to help help Valley National get some coverage of some of the other players that were around. We didn't have any specific local shows, uh, but Pat and I were both working, you know, kind of around the clock, just going to different events, going to different appearances, uh, the media sessions. But what I took note of was just how many Pacers fans made their way downtown just to experience something from All-Star, but also just how nice everyone was that just came up and, and talked to me, thanked me, um, felt like it was cool to, to, to have a conversation. It, it doesn't go unnoticed. I really appreciate the fans. I appreciate you guys, the passion. And I hope this season can just continue because I know it's brought a lot of smile to a lot of people's faces. And that's our primary goal. Our primary goal is to bring joy to the fans and, and the players do that for them. They, they're 99% responsible for that. Um, we just want to try to compliment that on the broadcast side of things. No, and that's that's great because we do have the best fans in, in the basketball world. I don't care what anybody else says. Pacer fans know basketball, and that's why they're booing when you make bad dunks in the dunk contest and when you rob MVPs for players in the All-Star game. So, you know, shout out to the best fans in the world. <laughs> we appreciate you all, and we appreciate JJ for coming on and giving us some some goodies here in terms of best sauces. And and, and let us know about racks. If you, if you knew about racks, you know, uh, kudos to you. If you didn't, congratulations. You learned something new today. But uh, JJ, thanks so much for coming on, and we uh, hope to do it again soon. And I guess uh, the other thing I need to do is get the Broad Ripple uh, Bagel and Deli. I still have yet to have your sandwich. Got it. It's, it's on the secret menu yeah. now, so it's not like promoted out there. But if you tell them what you're looking for, it will be out there available for you. Uh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I'll have to do that at some point. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, thank we you, JJ. It, JJ. We appreciate you coming on. And uh, like I said, we'll do it again soon. Fachi, last question. I can never figure out. I find out you're at these games, and it's after the fact. Like, are you? Why don't you reach out before and we can? I, I, I know. got it. You know what? I'm telling you right it's too now. Good for I'm you, man. Brooklyn. There's two games in Brooklyn. I will be there. All right. So all right. we're gonna set I, this one up. I used events. to look in D.C. and then now you've been going to New York. So that's your your little triangle there, Brooklyn, New York, that, and D.C. Exactly. That's my triangle. I hit D.C. earlier this year. 
I hit Madison Square Garden earlier this year. Uh, both losses. That was tragic. Um, Every time and, you yeah. go, it's a loss. I mean, JJ, hey. please, if he's in the building and we're losing, just like interview him during the game and be like, so this curse thing is really real. Could we, could we get you out of the building? <laughs> All I want to do yeah. is break the curse. It's going on a few years now, but I'm feeling good about those Brooklyn games in April. So, so you weren't at the second Knicks game. I was not at the second uh, Knicks game. I mean, so that's they, why we won. You would have thought exactly. I stormed the court. You would have thought I stormed the court and took out Halliburton or something. The way I was getting blamed for the way that the Knicks were crashing the offensive glass for that first game. So, I mean, I didn't give up those rebounds, but the fan they handed it to me on Twitter. Everybody came after me that night. So you set yourself up, though. Email. You say I'm breaking the curse tonight. I'm doing it. You set yourself up. You put too much pressure on yourself. All right. I mean, the well, first time we played the Wizards, they had, they had let, two wins on the year. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was not a good night. Uh, all right, well, let's think optimistically uh, that we'll see you in Brooklyn, and yes. the curse will be, or the streak will end, and then uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be a Pacers Knicks playoff series, and maybe you can kind of continue so. the winning ways then. Hey, if he so. breaks the if he breaks the streak, JJ, I think that's worth a post game interview. Maybe <laughs> later in the in the show, but like I think that's worth bringing him on for. I mean, my goodness, that's been like five. So years not not like first segment, but maybe like kind of down where the master jeweler defensive gem is. We can throw in Bachi. Yeah, hey. I like it. I mean, hey, we'll make it anything to help the pot out. <laughs> we'll make it happen. All right, JJ, we appreciate you. Thanks a lot, and we're looking forward to having you back on uh, later this season. All right, appreciate your work, guys.